Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Ain't that the truth? Welcome to a new year. It's Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander with you, Bunker to France in it's Los me. Angeles. It is Todd Roberts. Howdy, sir. Did I lose him? No, Todd. Oh, there, there he is. Add call. Answer call. Wait a second here. Oh, Merge. Okay. We got a mer. What? Anyhow, I lost Todd. I think. Anyhow, while we're trying to get Todd back, uh, you want to introduce or, or you want me to introduce her? Uh, hey, wait a second here. Uh, who have I got? Have I got Todd? You got me. There you go. Don Moore is our guest. Yeah. Welcome okay. to technology. Something I failed long ago. <laughs> anyway, our guest is Don Moore. She is the daughter of the Lone Ranger, Clayton Moore. She's the and, lone daughter. And we are, we're very happy to have her uh, grace our microphones for our first show of 2023. Yeah. Welcome, Don. Hey, gentlemen. Welcome to 2023. I really loved, actually, the, uh, the intro to your show where yeah. uh, we were better off when TV featured Westerns. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, huh? <laughs> my, that's the way my TV works. When it, the westerns are on, it works real good. Yeah. When the other ones on, it just keeps changing channels. I yeah. Don't know what's wrong? With yeah. I, same here. I, we're, we're, our stuff, uh, our television seems to be stuck on grit, and when it's not <laughs> stuck on grit, it's stuck on old YouTube uh, yeah. bees and uh, cereals. So, um, you know, I want to ask Don a question right off the bat, because this is the thing that I was looking stuff up. I like to look stuff up. And so I, I started, I've looked your dad up before, so I said, well, I'm going to go somewhere new. And I looked her up. Mm-hmm. I just, you have done, you've had to do hundreds of these shows. And yep. I, have to, I have to commend you because your enthusiasm is still way up there. And I can't think of a better subject to be enthusiastic about than the Lone Ranger. Well, I will. I will tell you. I have actually not done hundreds of these shows, and I intentionally don't. To be honest with you, um, yes, I am. Sadly, I am Googleable for sure. I think our, all of our privacy left a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's that? <laughs> but I, what I will tell you is, as I've gotten older, I have very much uh, more appreciated who my father was, why he made the choices he did, the influence he had on other people. Um, and that has, that has grown exponentially for me. So when you say, I've, I've, you know, my, my enthusiasm hasn't, hasn't wavered, the reality is, is my enthusiasm has increased. Well, you know, if you think about it, uh, he basically almost single-handedly put ABC on the map mm-hmm. because for the first 10 years, the mm-hmm. only show in the top 25 was The Lone Ranger. And ABC was just a fledgling network at yeah. that time. And can you believe they never won, a, won an Emmy Award? You know, I I can't understand why. But hey. you, know, you know, I think before we go, we need to do a very important thing. And that would be to read The Lone Ranger Creed. Why don't you do that, well, sir? Okay, I'll read it unless Don has it there and would like to read it. I have it, and I thought maybe it was something you might want to wrap with, but that's up to you guys. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about it. Go ahead and read that. Okay, I'll go ahead and read it. The Lone Ranger Creed. I believe that to have a friend, a man must be one. That all men are created equal, and everyone has within himself power to make this a better world. That God put the firewood there but every man must gather gather and light it himself. And being prepared physically, mentally, and morally to fight when necessary for that which is right. That a man should make the most of what equipment he has. That the government, this government, of the people, by the people, and for the people, shall live always. That men shall live by the rule of what is best for the greatest number. That sooner or later, Somewhere, somehow, we must settle with this world and make payment for what we have taken. That all things change, but truth, and that truth alone, lives on forever in my Creator, my country, my fellow man. 
some incredible words. Don, did he ever share with you what uh, prompted him to write that? That was actually written by Franz Stryker in 1933 uh-huh. as okay. the Bible. Yeah, it was written as the Bible for the um, writers of the uh, radio show. Ah, okay. So that was intended for every time we open our mouths and say, well, gee, in this instance, what would the Lone Ranger do? Mm -hmm. They would go back to that creed. Mm -hmm. That's great. So what's what's interesting to me about that, though, too, is is this is something, you guys want to start off on real serious stuff. Okay, I can do that. (laughs) This is... <laughs> this is we we can let's get serious. This is something that my father, um, you know, actually did take very seriously. He took the character very seriously. I think that everyone, you know, is, is very aware of that. Yes, yes. But you know, the creed wound up being something that was incredibly influential in the long run. I mean, think about it. This was written in 1933. Um, much of what you what you just read continues to be applicable. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite uh, tenets out of that creed was that somewhere, somehow, we must make payment for, with this world for what we've taken. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is extraordinary, yeah. especially as we look today at, at how you know, global warming and how we're treating the earth and how abusive we've been. And, mm-hmm. and it, it talks right there about that very thing. Uh, it talks about equality. It talks about taking care of yourself and taking care of others. You know, the Lone Ranger was written to be uh, politically neutral, you know, religiously neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father intentionally never, when he did interviews, he didn't talk politics, he didn't talk religion. And if you if you really watch all of the uh, episodes, which I, I know some people mm-hmm. have, I can't I one one of them. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a test later. Yeah, I know. Don't, don't, don't tell anyone. My father used to think that was very funny. You know, <laughs> interviewers would ask him if I was a fan when I was a child, and he'd say, "No, she's never even watched the show." Um, but, 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 let me let me share just something with you about the Cretans again. Do you want to start there? Nine Eleven which everybody remembers vividly. Mm-hmm. I was working at a very exclusive, expensive jewelry store on Rodeo Drive. And, the, of course, the day that, that happened, the world stopped. No one went into their jobs. No one went into work. And so the, the following day when I did go into work, what we typically would do is we would open our vaults and we would take out you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of jewelry to display in the windows. And that morning, I started to do that task, and it felt incredibly disrespectful. It felt incredibly hollow. It felt just wrong. And I don't know if it, it, you know, if you all felt the same way I did. Most people didn't know what to think because we didn't really know what had happened yet. Twenty-four hours later, right? That's right. Yeah. It was still. It was. It's still really kind of unknown what had happened. We still weren't it sure it wasn't an accident somehow or we didn't realize what, what you know, the the, the scale um, of the planning and what it anyway. So the so the morning of me me setting the my display windows on Rodeo Drive with all these, these tools, I said I can't do this. And I thought about what should be in the windows instead. Uh, and this is pre-Google, you guys, right? This is, you know, there's no Google. There's no way to look up. So in my head, I'm trying to find clothes. I'm trying to find some inspirational something to put in the windows very quickly. Um, and I'm going through JFK, and I'm going through, you know, MLK, and I'm going through our, you know, you know everybody's quotes that I can think of. And, and they all felt trite and overused. All of a sudden, out of the back recesses of my mind, some of the Lone Ranger creed came, started coming up. Hmm. So I had them printed on little cards, which I put in the windows for display, and all day long people were coming in. Now, don't forget, this is Rodeo Drive. This is Beverly Hills, Mm -hmm. the most exclusive shopping street in the world. This is not a street where people are are walking up and down, you know, thinking about cowboys or westerns or any of that. Right. People, People were in shock. 
again, try to you know, pull yourself back to them. Some pe- the people that were walking around, they weren't shopping. They were actually just kind of looking to connect with other humans, trying, trying to make sense of what had happened. So, so when they came up on my store and the, and the windows, which had the quote from the Lone Ranger Creed in it, and I did not attribute the quote to the Lone Ranger, I just simply put the tenets of the creed in the windows. Mm-hmm. People were coming in in tears, saying, oh my God, that is so meaningful. Where did you get these quotes from? This is exactly what I needed to hear today. I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know how to behave. And I didn't know what to think. And this is exactly what I needed to see and read and hear. And I kind of realized in that moment that even I, as a, a child and a really rebellious teenager, and when I say really rebellious, that would be italic bold underscore. Um, <laughs> That the creed, in fact, had uh, subliminally, you know, influenced me, and yeah. and it was there for me when I needed that moral compass, and it came up for me when I needed it. So you know, think think about that. It's just it's success. Hmm. You know, there's one line in there. I'm sure for everybody, they have it. Like you said, it was a different line that stands out. And the line is that men should live by the rule of what is best for the greatest number. And it's not that the greatest number should make the rules, but that the rules should make them better people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this is, there's so much in here that is just timeless. And the other thing I think is really, really kind of interesting is this isn't a cowboy creed. This no. is a cowboy code, rather. You know, this is Roy Rogers and Gene Autry all had cowboy codes. And they were written for children. And if you read them now, they're, they're sweet. And they're, you know, they're, they were perfect for what they were written for, but they weren't written as, for adults, and they certainly weren't written for you know, the longevity of going back to them in, in the sense of mm-hmm. what is character, you know. It, it, so you read this, and it's poetic, and it'll be poetic a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something you so, can yeah. hear from the pulpit. It's, it's, it is. It's. It has kind of. I, yeah. I, I'm not into discussing religion, but it has a religiosity to it. You know, it, what it has is it has humanity to it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's about humanity, about being kind to one another, and this is something that today we really have to take a step back and remember kindness, uh, and that everyone should be treated equal. You know, speaking of which, okay. Yep. Super interesting, gentlemen. I don't know if this is something that that typically would come up when you think about the Lone Ranger. No. Um, yeah, I would. Back, I would. I think because okay. he he was. Uh, it, it's it's kind of hard to say it, but in a way, he 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 stood straight. He personified the creed. Yeah, he you know he stood straight. You could. You know, you could see it in the way he dealt with people. Uh, you know, you know, you got to give the writers credit, but you got to give him more credit for making those that those written words mm-hmm. come alive. And you know, and, and you know, also, you know, you have to you have to give Jay Silverheels credit too because he was he was the perfect. He wasn't to me. He wasn't a sidekick. He was an equal. You know, and it just. You know, it, it, there's you see things in his character, you know, the way he treats kids in the show, uh, the way he he deals with bad guys. He does he doesn't beat up bad guys because they're bad guys. He he takes care of the situation. He disarms them. If he has to hit a bad guy, he hits a bad guy because that's what you have to do. It's not because of gratuitous violence to excite somebody's vicarious thrill. Jay was extraordinary. Uh, my my father's relationship with Jay um, changed my father because Jay didn't put up with any shit from anybody. Jay stood up for himself. Jay also, you know, he he broke a lot of barriers. He was the first Native American to star in a TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He so there's there's that. Um, he also, you know, as of uh, he was a Golden Gloves champion. Yeah. And actually, one of my favorite—oh my God! One of my favorite stories that my father would tell was Tell's. there was a day because you know I would always ask my father about uh, current uh, 
tense, if there were tensions on the set in the 50s with, with racism or, or bigotry, and my father would always say no because he didn't focus on those kinds of things. But Jay, I'm not going to say he's going to focus on them, but Jay experienced that almost every day, 100%. Mm-hmm. He yeah. experienced you know, bigotry. And he was... One day he... The, go ahead. Well, the, the bigger story is one day um, they were walking on set about to do a scene, and some grip turned to Jay and said, how you doing there today, Chief? Hmm. And Jay didn't say a word to anyone. He just turned around and decked the guy. And again, don't forget, Golden Gloves <laughs> champion, so he could have killed him. Well, the, guy, know, the guy hit the ground, the guy hit the ground, knocked him out cold, and Jay walked on set. Dad stepped over the guy to follow Jay on set. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's cool. You know, he was a yeah, champion. Yeah. He was a champion lacrosse player, and one of the great accomplishments is when they, it was all Indian team, and they went down to New York to play one of the the big uh, American teams, really big teams, you know. And they, everybody rode off the Indians, and they wiped their <laughs> patooties up and down the field. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Jay was Jay. Jay didn't anything from anybody but he also had tremendous dignity yes. you know he he started the um, uh, Indian workshop actors workshop right Not and point. yeah where he promoted you know hiring Native Americans for Native American roles I mean again he was a leader in, in that in the industry um, so he was really extraordinary and and my father took notice of how Jay handled those situations. Like, he didn't just walk away quietly. He stood up and, and spoke for himself. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, you know, Which is, again, part of what you're talking about in the creed. Yeah. All right, well, let's do our first commercial break here. Okay. And then we'll come back and ask Don what it's like to grow up the daughter of a famous man. Because I can kind of relate to that. Well, I can't. My daughter can. <laughs> Because I was sort because you're famous. I was sort of famous back in the day, oh, and okay. so you know we'll see how how long the uh, uh, the, the parallels go. <laughs> how I'm, far the shadow is. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing not very far. Uh, Samuel Franzi's Voices of the West. Don Moore's our guest. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient. 
and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn to- I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. Sam told me you boys were back. Why didn't you go with the Phantom? Frontier figured Evans and the girl took a back trail. He wanted to go after them alone, so he sent us back with a buckboard and the old jet. What happened to Jeff? He won't be helping Evans and the girl to escape anymore. By now, he's just another customer for Boot Hill. This is the Voices of the West. We're back on Abel Francis' Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France, Todd Roberts with you, streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch, just north of Tucson. Uh, what's that? The beautiful, the beautiful White Stallion Ranch, of course. And a little bit of Hawaiian cowboy there for you. Our guest, Adioli cowboy. <laughs> our guest is... Uh, what? They never did a Lone Ranger episode in Hawaii. I don't know why. Why not? I don't know. Our guest is Don Moore. She is the daughter of... Because he can't be just he can't be on a surfboard just wearing a mask. Oh, there you go. Is there a law against that? Apparently so. Uh, our guest is Don Moore. She is the daughter of the Lone Ranger. Don, we're most happy to have you with us on our first show of 2023. And I read in one of the many articles about you that you discovered your dad was uh, really somebody famous uh, quite by accident, is what I'm gathering. Uh, and is what, you were seven years old in a, in a grocery store? Uh, we were shopping. Uh, you did your homework, I'm impressed. We were shopping <laughs> for television, of all things. Um, and the salesperson said, I, I recognize your voice. I recognize your voice. Are you the Lone Ranger? And, and at that time, the show had been off the air for, God, seven years or something. And I didn't, as I already mentioned, I didn't watch the show. So I couldn't Later. understand at all how this knew who, who he was or even <laughs> what they were talking about. So I kind of looked at Dad and I said, what, what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, don't forget, I was kind of lucky in that, you know, Dad was in a costume. So when he was in public, he wasn't in costume. Uh-huh. So other than him opening his mouth and someone recognizing his voice, which of course didn't happen, um, yeah, I, I was voice? able to yeah. kind of grow up. Yeah, I was able to grow up without all that crazy fame and stuff that goes along with typical celebrity kids. Yeah, but but I will. Go ahead. I will, go ahead. I will tell you, though, something funny in that. I learned how to leverage his fame very quickly when I wanted to meet Bobby Sherman. When I wanted to meet Bobby Sherman, when I wanted to meet David Cassidy, I knew right away to ask him to get us on set for those TV shows. Did you so, drop a name or two? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's pretty that good. was far more. He dropped. He made a phone call, and we got we got on the set for all of the Parker's family, and here come the brides and. And then even scoot forward another, well, God, 18 years from that, and I met Willie Nelson and, and Christopher Robinson because of that. Wow. They were doing a show, and I wanted to meet Willie so badly. Yeah. And I dad do the show, actually, which was highly controversial. It was, my God, you guys. It was Cowboys for Indians. It was a benefit to get Leonard Peltier out of, of jail. Uh-huh. Free and Leonard, my father free knows, Leonard. 
Yep. Sorry, yep. I, I have to say that. So that, yeah, as far as I was concerned, having a famous father opened doors for me to meet famous guys that I wanted to meet. Guys, you notice, <laughs> I mentioned. Uh, it sounds like my daughter, the things that she did uh, when she fought, when she learned what I used to do. Well, uh, Don, <laughs> when you went, would go out to Santa Anita, did you uh, drop Silver's name so you could uh, <laughs> get some special treatment? <laughs> no, but I'm going to at the White Stallion Ranch you guys are sponsored by. Oh, you, you yeah, love well, it here. It's just beautiful here. <laughs> <laughs> Don, I have to ask you, we all know about the Lone Ranger. We do? His, oh. Well... You know, we saw. If you watch the show, I think you pick it up pretty quick. Um, but I want to know what is it that we don't know about Clayton Moore, the man, Clayton Moore, the father, that you're willing to share with us. Dad had an amazing sense of humor, and actually, he had kind of a blue sense of humor, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, his his best buddy uh, was uh, Pat Buttram. Oh, he was and, a good friend of know, mine. Yeah. Then you know Pat could be pretty blue. Oh, <laughs> that's That's being mild. <laughs> right. Okay, so, yeah. Dad's sense of humor, he was, and he's always kind of a big kid, so he was fun. He loved children, which is, again, I'm sure a large reason why, of course, he was, he was so successful as a Lone Ranger, because he genuinely loved children. And he had a respect for his fans, which I'm I, I'm not going to compare him to anybody else because I, I don't know. But bottom line is, is he respected his fans and he loved children. So for me, he was always a buddy. He was somebody to, to hang out with and play with. And the really cool thing for me is he treated me, um, I'm going to say gender neutral. I mean, we did a lot of boy things. Like we went fishing. He taught me how to how to bait a hook. I mean, nice. we went camping. Um, you know, we did that kind of stuff together, and he was he was just a lot of fun. He was a lot of fun. You know, speaking of camping, I came across some 1925 pictures of the Moore family in a boat on Loon Lake. And also the Moore family cabin. Uh, do you have any recollection of that from your dad sharing about that that time in his life? I do, and again, you guys in your homework, I'm wildly impressed. Um, <laughs> yes, his his they lived in Chicago during the the, the year. Typically, I mean, their their main home was in Chicago. His father was a real estate developer, and they had a summer home. They summered every year in uh, Canada. So those times were really special for Dad. I've got actually photographs on my wall here that look exactly like they were plucked out of a Ralph Lauren ad. All the kids are so handsome. You know, Dad was ridiculously handsome, but so were his brothers. I mean, they were just a really good family. And, and And they were wealthy. So, of course, they're dressed in these great outfits and um for some reason, Dad's father was kind of considered a influencer of his day, and he would be given new fishing equipment to test mm. and kind of come back, report on, right? So they were out all the time with all kinds of new equipment. Dad also learned um, how to do um, acrobatics while they were in Canada. There's I've got an amazing photograph of Dad as a, as a teenager using a birch branch, like so here's two, two trees that happen to have Y-shaped you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, branches off of them, and he's got another, another log or branch going across the two of them, and he's doing uh, acrobatics off of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he loved, he loved, loved, loved being in Canada during the summers. You know, you may well, I have to ask you a question, Don. It's just mind-boggling to me because everybody I know from Chicago has a thick, you know, Chicago accent. So your father's accent was completely non-distinguishable. He just had this perfect American English uh, articulation that was undiscernible from either coast. Did he work hard at that? Did he go to a language? A coach or a dialogue coach, or and how did that happen? 
I have absolutely no clue. No one's ever asked me that before. And to, to be at this, at this age of my life and have someone ask me a question no one's asked me, gosh, all right. <laughs> Bruce <laughs> well, Beamer. We do this he studied show. Bruce there's Beamer. A lot of, yeah, we, there's a lot of liquor that influences the direction of this show, Don. So you've probably never been interviewed by people like us. <laughs> That's probably exactly correct. But I can tell Don's you Don's never been point. sober on the show. <laughs> Well, I, I'm a I'm a drunkard by trade. People ask me, you know, what do I do, and I say I'm a drunkard by trade. But there's other things I delve into. Well, then that tells me you guys watch uh, George and Tammy on Showtime, and if you haven't, you should. <laughs> so rather than rather than going off on Tammy, what I will tell you about Dan's voice is his voice wasn't as deep. He did have to bring his voice down a few few octaves hmm. um, because George Trendle wanted him to sound like Bray Femer. Hmm. And in fact, this is a really little known fact, after, even before the show aired, even before the show aired, George Trendle was listening to Dad and he said, you know, there's no question this, this guy's good looking, there's no question he can do his job well and he's athletic, but if he can't get his voice uh, correct he is not going to be our Lone Ranger, and I actually have that memo somewhere. It's from wow. June of 1949, hmm. where he was almost fired before he even got started. Hmm. So you know, he spent a lot of time trying to lower his voice. Hmm. Um, but in terms of the accent, I, I don't. We never talk about that. Don't know. Well, you know, so those of us from Chicago sometimes come out with the accent, and uh, Are you, you know, from Chicago. Uh, yeah, I was born in Chicago. Oh, a long time ago. Chicago. I used to like you, Harry. Let's go get some hockey pucks over at the White Castle Hamburger. Wait a second now. I'm from the south side there. Even though I am a Cub fan, I was born in the south side, all right? So, <laughs> you sound our, like Archie Bunker. Thank you. <laughs> Don, you mentioned the fact, you know, that the family was well-dressed back then. And I have kind of a quote from your dad here. It's uh, He says, if you, if you watch G-Man Never Forget, you'll see exactly what the well-dressed man of 1947 was wearing. Yeah. And there's a picture of him there. And Dapper. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pre-war baby. I remember those clothes. And that's when men wore hats all the time. That's right. Were, didn't have to be a cowboy. Uh, he was a dapper man. Wow. Even in West Well, Virginia. he was a model. Go ahead. Yeah, he was a model for yeah. John Robert Powers. Mm -hmm. That was his first his first gig before um, before acting. Is he, he had a, lot, a really successful modeling career when he was in New York. Um, and, yeah, I mean, let's face it. He was ridiculously... So any, anything he was going to wear was was to look pretty terrific. Did you also read the quote about how he kept his hat on during a, a fight? No, I didn't. I didn't think that. Well, I want I want to know how did he do it. I'm guessing stick up. Well, right. Think about it. So he, he, he said, you ever think about you know how, how the Lone Ranger never loses his hat in a fight? Uh, well, a, he put a tourniquet inside the hat band. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, you know what they also used to do, because when you were doubling people, I was doubling people, sometimes they'd give you a hat, you know, that the actor was wearing, and he'd either be a pinhead or, you know, a bucket head, and I've just, you know, I've just got You're my normal little head, but they would take, like, those little strings that went behind Halloween yeah, masks, yeah. they'd stick them up, put it up through the hat, and then down under your chin, put a little makeup on there. You never see it. You never see it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the behind-the-scenes stuff there. There you go. Hey, we got to do our next commercial break. Don Moore, the daughter of the Lone Ranger, is our guest here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France. Todd Roberts with you. We're streaming from the White Stallion Ranch, and we'll be right back. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap 
and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchman to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Hello, I'm Travis Mills, and I made 12 Westerns in 12 months, and you're listening to Voices of the West. Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you, and uh, Todd's in Los Angeles. Bunker is riding to the theme of uh, the High Chaparral. Don, that, we have to play that because he'll walk if I don't. It's my contract. Yeah, he was in uh, like 52 episodes of the High Chaparral uh, back when they filmed that, as well as bunches of movies and television series, the Gunsmoke, Death Valley Days, and you know, I bunches just, of stuff. I just realized something. Do you know how many henchmen the Lone Ranger put out of business? Lots of henchmen. Gosh. <laughs> He's hard on henchmen. Yeah, no kidding. But he played a henchman himself. He did a lot of henchmen. He, he did a lot of henchman stuff uh, in serials. Um, he, he did a lot of henching and yeah. Uh, otherwise. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, what is, where's my notes here? Well, in Radar Men from the Moon, he was one of the top henchmen there. He was like the number two or three henchman behind uh, the moon guys. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. And sometimes he was the henchman. Well, that the showed his versatility. Indeed. Because <laughs> as great as we loved him as a good guy, when he played a bad guy, he, you forgot who he was. You didn't remember that he was the Lone Ranger. Well, that... He was like this ominous guy with a with a, with a very low, stern voice. Yeah, but then he when he was in the uh, serial about uh, uh, Jesse James, uh, Frank and Jesse James. In oh, fact, there yeah. were two serials about that, I believe. Yeah, Adventures of Frank and Jesse James. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and, and he was he was almost Lone Ranger-like at that time, yeah. so. Well, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking, God, that's, that's strange. <laughs> <laughs> strange feeling. Take another sip there. <laughs> but, you, you know, his, I've been reading, you know, a book, Boyd Major's uh, article about your dad when he passed, and it's a great issue of that thing. But all of the fr- you had all these people that talking about him and the love that they had for him. And one guy stood out, and I'd, I'd like for you to talk about his friendship with Rand Brooks because oh, yeah. because uh, that seemed to me it had to be something very special for your yeah. dad. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I haven't. I think about Rand all the time, and I'm really glad you asked about Rand. They were friends from 1938. Wow! I have pictures of the two of them 
I, this is going to sound really uh, odd, but I'm, this is the truth. In their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I want a copy Perfect. of that picture. <laughs> yeah, it's um, so Dad and Tom Neal and Rand Brooks and another friend of theirs, Eddie Small, were all, all in their underwear standing <laughs> in front as steep as a backdrop. Showing off their muscles like like they just got back from. Uh, Didn't we all do? Oh that? God! <laughs> muscles, Santa Monica before them, and of course, sadly, not only, Rand had no muscles. The other four were bodybuilders. I mean, my father was kind of a bodybuilder, and uh, uh, Tom Neal was absolutely a bodybuilder. Oh yeah. Um, and of all four of them, in an effort to even look taller and slimmer and more important, my father was standing on his tiptoes. <laughs> you know, go ahead. I want to hear more about this. So, no, the, I, so yeah, I mean, they, they had an amazing and amazing friendship that lasted over 60 years, and they just were literally the best of friends. I mean, Rand spoke at Dad's memorial service and was incredibly, incredibly moving and, and authentic. And we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. Uh, they, were, they were great friends. Well, yeah, because I get the impression that a lot of these guys like Rand uh, were over to house a lot. Well, uh, it's been certain years. Yeah. yeah I mean, everything, as we all know. They do, I know they would go out to dinner with the wives and stuff, so. And they did it first, absolutely. I've got amazing photographs of, of a lot of great 1950s entertaining. My mother was a big hostess. And there's pictures of them square dancing at, at their ranch in, in Tarzana. And oh, uh, Jace, Jace there, and Rand is there, and they're all in suits with ties. Hmm. You know, because we used to get dressed up to go to parties. Um, but, yeah, no, they had they had an amazing friendship, for sure. And they were friends, like I said, up until the, the day dad, dad died first. Rand died uh, two years later. You know, I, I, you know, you talking about, you know, they're all, all trying to show off their physique and I think you know the fact that your dad being an acrobat and him and him and his brother going to the world's fair and doing an acrobatic act that's that's, that's I, he wasn't that old either you know I guess he, he started doing the acrobat stuff around eight didn't he you know he loved all of that but dad was a natural athlete he, he, he just excelled at it um just his, his form was always perfect. His toes were always pointed. He loved all that stuff. He had great stories about the World's Fair and, and seeing and and Rand. I'm Ooh. sure there's a handful of listeners. That, right, last time anybody heard her name, right? <laughs> wow. Did he see the fan young, dance? Uh, <laughs> yep. As a young man for him <laughs> and Rand, he was hoping that one of those feathers would drop. <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> I hope that hope that fan starts molting <laughs> real fast. Oh, that is so awesome! But you know, all of that stuff—that his ability, his natural athletic ability, and his modeling career, and and his, and his trapeze career—you know—all of that coming together led to this kind of a perfect storm for him to portray this character, right? Yeah. Oh, it's all preparation. That's what life's about. Is is all these experiences? Yeah. Hopefully, they add up to something good. And here we are. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. well, not everything works out. Uh, I'm being facetious. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to talk about another fella now too because I he did a lot of stuff with Earl Bellamy that I worked. I had the opportunity to work with him a couple of times before Earl uh, left the business and what a gentleman there. But you know, I, I'd like do you have do you have any uh, Stories about your dad and Earl? I don't, and I, but I do have, I can shift gears here a little bit. I have a story about Johnny Weissmuller. Oh, um, yeah. Fabulous. So, dad and Johnny were actually friends in Chicago. Johnny was a towel boy at the club, the athletic club that my father's family were members of. Hmm. So, Dad and Johnny would actually train together and swim together. 
in the athletic, athletic club in Chicago. Now, fast forward, mm. fast forward, obviously, right? He gets his, his Olympic gold medals, and he marries Lucy Velez, and he divorces Lucy Velez, and Dad comes to L.A. and meets Lucy Velez at a party, and she goes up to Dad and says, you know, my career is kind of faltering, and I need some, a handsome new man to escort me out on the town and I want you. <laughs> <laughs> so now dad is dating the ex-wife of one of his closest friends. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, and I say dating, you know, dad uh, insisted that there was, uh, it was entirely platonic and while I don't want to put words in his mouth, that just seems completely impossible. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> He uh, he and Johnny is, re did remain friends through all of that. I'm sure there might have been some crib notes being shared there. But, <laughs> but fast, fast forward to the early 60s, Johnny did come over to our house in Encino, and I was, what, four years old, I guess. And he wanted to play swimming in the pool with me, and we were all in the pool, and so he comes in the pool and he makes this walrus noise. You know, you put your face down in the water and you make a walrus noise. I am petrified, and I am screaming and running out of the pool and yelling for my mother, and he is completely mortified, and my mother comes up flying out of the house, what are you two doing to my daughter, what are you guys doing? So, that was that was the end of Johnny Weissmuller coming over to our house. Wait a minute, walrus, boom, boom, boom. Don't make her scream. <laughs> Oh golly! Uh, well, is is your dad autobiography? I, I see it around once in a while, you know, like a used bookstore. But I was that mask man. Is that still in publication, or is that just you have to get lucky and find it? You have to get lucky and find it. because yeah. that's good. That's recommended yeah. reading. Yeah. That really I'm is. Sorry. But you can also find him in in the centerfold of, of Hollywood Babylon, which. which <laughs> I, you read that? Read it. I studied it. That was my template for my behavior as a teenager. Oh, I read, I, it, that is amazing. You know, uh, I can't remember her name. The, the one starlet that did the uh, desert movie with Burt Lancaster and then jumped off the Hollywood sign. Wow. <laughs> Peg and Whistle, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, but, but Dad's in, in Hollywood Babylon because he's in there with Luffy. Oh, okay. Do they got a picture yeah. of him together? I don't remember. It's been so long yeah. since I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Several. Several. Yeah. Did you wow. ever... Did, so there's, did you... there's a little... A little tarnishing of that that Lone Ranger image, right? Which is probably why my father insisted on saying they're really. Oh, that's scandalous! The Lone Ranger with her. Yeah, right. Very scandalous. Very scandalous. All right, let's let's do our last commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Our guest. Do we have to? We have to. Our guest is Don Moore, daughter of the Lone Ranger Clayton Moore. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. 
Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I Miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're to... I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. But we have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. Come right in, gents, and check your guns. You check your guns here. Not my guns. Oh, we can't make any exceptions, boys. Two gunmen are too valuable to kill each other off. I'm hungry, Joe. It's all right. Everybody else has checked. Well, you can do it, Blackie, but I'll get my groceries elsewhere. I never heard of a gent starving to death in a settlement, but I know plenty of parties has died from a bad case of empty holsters. This is the Voices of the West. Across the plains of Texas, with rustlers on the run, the rangers join together to rule by law and gun. Then we go riding, riding, riding. Swinging in the saddle, eager for a battle. Riding, riding, riding. Riding all day long. We're back on Emil Francis, Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our guest, Don Moore. We're on the uh, downside here of our program, and it's been one hell of a program, i got to tell you, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, uh, I've got another quote from your dad here. He's talking about the Crimson Ghost, and he says... Great serial. He says, my scenes with that evil character were some of the most difficult to perform. We kept breaking up. It was pretty hard to keep a straight face <laughs> when looking at the Crimson Ghost in the eye. <laughs> And that that makes me think of the last line in the in the Lone Ranger episodes. That yet, yeah, who was that masked man? It's that the actors hated that last line. That was the Lone Ranger. You know, he's the Lone Ranger. Uh, you got any? You got anything to share there about about the horrible last line? Wait a minute! I never heard that. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Say it for us. Who, who was no, that masked man? We didn't get a chance to thank him. 
Oh, well, who was that masked man? <laughs> well, that was the whole thing. Who was that masked man? We didn't get a chance to thank him. Well, you're not going to say it, are you? No, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. It's okay. I the second part. It's my job. Oh my God! Oh, that was the Lone okay, Ranger. So. Don, you must you 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 you've had uh, you must have grown up in an incredible life, have, having uh, Clayton Moore as your dad, and and that's not to discount anybody else. Everybody's dad is fantastic. Most everybody's dad he was is fantastic. Than my dad. You know, yeah. Uh, I remember watching the Lone Ranger as a kid and going out and acting out <laughs> all the things that we would see on there. My, me and my well, friends. And, that's, uh, you know that is so neat because I because I, I grew up on the Lone Ranger on the radio and when it came on TV he looked like the Lone Ranger the yeah. way I you know the, the way, way you, you pictured the him, way yeah. it was the character was built yeah, up yeah, and yeah. he it was the, it was the, the smoothest transition yeah so you know it's just, just an incredible time in our uh, in our history and uh, history of it. television yeah. I think a lot of us miss it, um, miss those things, and and that's probably the attraction to a lot watching a lot of old westerns, uh, B movies, and whatnot. Because they, while there, you can say that the times were not that great, but they were, you know, because they just were. Well, you know, it, it's like that, not really when, a reason, but when whatever. it was was when it was. But it's like you know, in the fifties. America was like Leave It to Beaver, kind of, yeah. You know, and the, yeah. it was you. You have that, well, that, yeah, that, that wholesomeness. If you, yeah, wanna, if you want to ignore McCarthyism, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don, you're yeah, not, not to put a, yeah, not to put a downer on it, but you know, the real, the realistic you know, moment here is, is that we can look at it that way, and the Lone Ranger. What, and the reason I say that is because what we're n kind of not remembering because we are looking at it with rose-colored glasses. The Lone Ranger was pretty progressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were episodes that were very liberal. And if you look at, at um, The Letter Bride, for example, it's a, an entire episode about a Chinese immigrant who um, is again harassed by the community mm -hmm. and the Lone Ranger has to step in and, and he talks, he does an amazing speech, a monologue that he gives about children being taught to hate mm -hmm. yeah. and this and this is written in the middle of, of the McCarthy era right? Yeah. Yeah. so, you know, the Lone Ranger was given a lot of incredible um, uh, morality stories to, to tell uh, in the middle of, of, of a very difficult time in our in our nation, and I think that kind of gets brushed aside in, in the in the you know the soft wave of nostalgia that we want to look at. The reality is that's why the Lone Ranger has trans the character the character has transcended generations, mm -hmm. and why my father really latched onto it. You know this this business of of displaying moral courage. You know, and I don't and you know. I, you know, that's, that's I guess a, important. That's a good point because I know so many parents back then, they encouraged their kids to watch it because he was teaching them good Morality. manners, uh, it's like responsibility. Watching, it's like watching Hopalong Cassidy or yeah. Gene Autry. Same things, yeah. Don, your favorite Western. You must have one. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Crunch time. <laughs> Uh, I, okay, I'm going to say, well, all right, I, I love Unforgiven, and I love Dancing with Wolves. All right. Which one, the one well, with Burt Lancaster or the one with Eastwood? Eastwood, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love, Eastwood I love is Unforgiven. <laughs> Burt Lancaster is the Unforgiven. I know it, but he, he I, I love that movie. That's one of my all-time favorites. Don, what are you doing now? Uh, we got about a minute and a half left here. Uh, what's happening? Uh, do you have any books coming out, or you just taking life one day at a time? What? You're planning on Don, coming. please shamelessly plug yourself. Yeah. We love it when guests do this. Shamelessly plug myself. I would love to have a biopic of Dad done, and I have written a treatment, and it is very important to me that people have a sense of who he was as a man, and that this was not, um, he, he knew who he was, and he chose to be a hero, and that we can, that's, that's the message, we can choose to be heroes. It's if, a choice. If somebody, and the bottom line is, the bottom line is, is we need to make that choice every single day, choose to be a hero. 
choose to make decisions that are difficult and maybe they're not the most popular in the moment and maybe not everyone likes you in the moment but it's the right thing to do and if you're able to look at yourself in the mirror at night you've done the right thing my father led by example i think that and you say also what kind of a dad was he never lectured me there were no speeches there were no monologues there was only leading by example only ever mm-hmm. and that something I feel so strongly about and I would love to get a biopic done on him and that you know that's my last goal. Well, Don, Don, thank you so much. We are oh, plumb out of time, darn, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Don Moore's uh, so daughter of the say. Lone Ranger, Clayton Moore, thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Really appreciate it, it uh, very much so. Pleasure. So, Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Hopefully it was as fun for you as it was oh, for me. Tons of fun. More fun, as Bunker would say, than a bag of squirrels. Sack full of Sacks squirrels. Sacks full of squirrels. There you go. All right. That's it for this edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. 78, 79, high 80 goes away. <laughs> so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. 